This is Aikido Discussed, your regular weekly Aikido podcast. We talk about everything that is the martial art of Aikido. I am Christopher Hine, head instructor at Aikido Fresno, and with me is Joshua Tihi, assistant instructor at Aikido Fresno. And Maya Solana McDaniel, second Q and student at Aikido Fresno. All right, we got the intro. We're so comfortable with that now. Yes, no problem. We've done it so many times. No more panicking before we say our name. (laughs) So today, this week, we are talking about... Ukemi. The art of... How to be uke. Yeah, how to be uke. What what does that mean? What does it mean and how do you do it? More importantly, I think, how to not do it poorly. (laughs) How to not (laughs) fuck up. Right? Like, what do you do? Because I think that is actually a really big thing for a lot of people on both sides. Like. Yeah, um, people sure. who are at a higher level and they're training with someone and they're like, why does this guy take crabby Kimmy? And then on the flip side, you have people who are starting out who are like, I don't know what I'm doing. I right. You know, in a lot of times, the instruction uh, for what an uke does is very limited. It's yeah. like, look it, watch what we're doing, do that. Um, and so if you are an uke, you may think something else is happening and so you may be doing something incorrectly without even knowing it because you have an idea in your mind of what the technique is supposed to be about because that's what you're seeing when they're demonstrating or whatever and it turns out it's something else and um nothing like makes a technique feel worse i think than uh problems with ukemi i feel like yeah most of the time where right. people are like "Ooh, why does this technique feel so crappy it is probably because it's an ukemi problem and not and, uh, it's a and problem on, with it. On the flip side, a technique can feel really good when you get with a super good uke yeah, who knows right, what's, right. what's up and, and you're just like, why does this feel right. like butter? Right. And I think the the problem with that is people often feel like um, that uh, if I am good at Aikido, I should be able to do this technique no matter with, what the uke does. It. And so like then they have the feeling that's like, well, if you were good – then you can do whatever. It doesn't matter, bro. You can still handle it. There's a dog. Dog's making noise. Got a regular. Hasn't, on hasn't that. messed with that bone all day. <laughs> of course. And now it's time. <laughs> no, but I think uh, I think you're 100 percent on on that uh, idea, which is like, and this is actually why we need to have this conversation. Is like uh, the uke. The job of the uke is to provide a certain attack, a certain energy that uh, the nage can then blend with. Right. If they are not providing that energy, the nage cannot blend with that energy. So the very idea that you should be able to do a technique no matter what the uke is doing is incorrect. Right, because um, there are things that the uke can do to thwart you, in which case they are giving you a different energy, in which case you should be doing a different technique. So I think uh, with that we need to tap into something real quick, which is um, I think a lot of people still, you know, we're, we're getting a lot more enlightened now as martial artists, but a lot of people still are on the illusion that a martial arts technique is something that no matter what, the other person does, they can't stop me from yeah, doing the technique. Right. Yeah. Right? yeah. And there's this thought that's like, oh, you know, there's special techniques like right. Nikyo right. or something. Like, if I grab someone in Nikyo, there's no way they could stop that. And that's false. And we need to understand it's false for a few reasons. If there was a technique that always thwarted an attack, then that attack would no longer be used by anyone because right. it could always be thwarted. Right. right. Well, um, and, and everyone would just win with that one thing, and you right. know we'd have competitions, and people would just do, do the, the magic technique, and then you that's know right. be like, okay, here's the trophy, Go- that's right. goodbye. <laughs> so that doesn't exist. So that's the first thing, like about uke, and that's exactly what Josh was just saying, which is like uke present, presents a certain kind of energy, a certain kind of attack, and then here is the answer to that certain kind of attack. And that's because we're training situations, right. and that's because um, in any martial art. The, the world of that martial art specifically, the, 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 the context within which that martial art is working, um, there are many different things that can happen. And so in order to take out pieces and work on little this thing or that thing or that technique, like you have to isolate bits of it. And in order to do that, you have to, you're creating a situation. And, and, and of course there are other things that you can do, but you've got to stick with what it is that you're training in that moment. And so it is Uke's role to make that situation happen. Right. So, okay. No, I was just going to say, so let's maybe um, define some terms for people like, you know, 
ukimi? Like, what is it? What types of things are involved in that? And then, you know, from there we can build to uke and, and what they should be doing and how they might want to approach their uh, their role. Yeah, so, you know, uke means to, to take and mi means to, um, with your body. So ukimi means to take with your body. So like to receive something with your body. Um, and the receiving with your body, the part that is, is it's the techniques that nage is doing. So nage does a technique and uke takes the technique. Um, and understand that that's not, you know, like an uke is not your sparring partner. It's not a sparring partner. It's not someone who's trying to stop you from doing anything. It's simply someone who's providing uh, a target or a uh, body for you to work with. That's what ukimi is. They're providing their body for you to work with. So if you're being an uke, um, taking ukimi, you're taking their techniques with your body. There you go. Uh, and the way we talk about ukemi, we actually talk about it, and, and this may or may not be important to the uh, this overall discussion, but more in terms of, of taking force, of taking energy, and how you can take energy with your body and the, the ways that you can do that. And so, you know, rolling and brake falling and all of those things are included in that, um, you know, under that umbrella, because that's how we take force, right? So it's... Um, and it makes sense uh, for something like Kaitanage, for example. I need to know how to roll because I am taking that technique. And in that right. technique, um, the force leads me to the ground. Um, and actually, in all of the, the throwing techniques, that's the idea, right? Is the ukimi part of the uh, ukimi for the, the uke is to, like, how do I take a safe fall from this? Right. And it might be a high fall or it might be... A role or uh, whatever. I think the the maybe deceptive part of that that's like direct definition of taking force with the body or, or you know taking taking ukemi is like um, I think that sets our minds in an idea that like uke's only job is to just take the technique and um, I think maybe a better way to think about it is like a facilitator like they're facilitating a technique um, at least whatever it is that you're studying at that moment. So it's not just that they're um, you know, uh, being ikyoed, it's, um, if you're doing, uh, urra, then you're, they're being ikyoed, but they're providing, a f- they're coming, continuing to attack you throughout, um, in a certain way right. throughout that technique in order to facilitate that, that urra movement. Um, so like, you know what I mean? Like, no, instead I... of just like, I'm just taking it, it's, I am providing the right, um, uh, signals in the right moments in order to let this technique and i think this is a really important thing because it's something that we talk about all the time and it's the fact that as the nage um i am less doing the technique than letting the technique unfold right that's the the thing so or you know i am applying the technique as it becomes available right so i'm not doing doing the technique sort of out of uh, thin air or out of the context of the thing. But what what happens, I think, a lot of times is people um, think that as the nage, I have to do the technique. Uh, and then on the flip side of that, that, you know, the the uh, uke is kind of just there to... Taking it. Just, just there to, like, whatever. It is a partnership. You know, and you have so, to have one. You can't have one without the other. They have to be, you know, and that makes sense, like, because that is the Aiki of it. If, if we start off with kihon techniques, right, so basic techniques, um, and, I, I, you know, so if, if you're not familiar, if you don't know the terminology, a kihon technique is just a technique that's done really stepwise, and it's how we begin training new students to do techniques, and it's usually the kind of techniques we see on tests because you're proving that you can do that technique at the basic level, at the fundamental required level to do that technique. Right. Um, so if you look at uh, a kihon practice, basically what the technique you're doing in the kihon is, is it's like a key, like for a lock, right? Like a key. Um, and that key only opens certain locks, right? So That's a good way to you know, think about it, yeah. Say we have like four locks sitting on the table, that key only opens one of them. It's not weird to you that you would put a key in in a lock and turn it and it not open because you go, oh, this key doesn't fit this lock. What the good uke's job to do is to understand how to be the lock for that key right. and that key only. Right. Okay. So if someone's got a different key, if they're trying to do the technique in a different weird way, it won't open the lock. 
but if they understand the the technique correctly it will open that lock and so a lot of times I think people get confused because they're like oh you know uke should be resisting hard because if they resist hard then that way nage can do the technique right well as we just explained a second ago um, there is no technique that 100% of the time will work. So if Uke is doing the thing that that technique doesn't work on, your technique will never work, right? right. Um, and then also, if you train like that, that facilitates a, a training for Nage that is they should be forcing technique, which is an incorrect way to do it, right? So if I stick a key in a lock and it's a strong enough key and I turn the hell out of it, I'll break the lock eventually, right? right. And that'll maybe get the lock open, but that's not what we're training. We're training something that's effortless. I easily stick a key in a lock and I turn it and it opens. So a problem we have in Aikido is the junior student takes ukemi first and more. Right, we talked about this before, yeah. Right, and so the problem with that is the junior student has a hard time understanding how to be the right kind of lock, the lock that can only be opened by that one key. And so this is where we get a lot of trouble. Whereas in a lot of other Japanese styles, most other Japanese styles, all that I can think of right now, the senior student is generally the uke because the senior student understands what the key is and how the key works. And so they understand how to be the right lock for that particular key. Right. Um, and in Aikido, it gets kind of flipped around, so it's confusing to us. As and, to why and, that is. and that's really, I think, a, a, would be a better way to do it because uh, by providing the proper ukemi, one, you're making it easier for the nage to understand what's happening. Uh, and on the flip side, you know, the nage can then experience what it feels like and where the person's body is supposed to move. So when they are then taking ukemi, they have a sense in their mind of like, how it all plays out, you know. How to be. Yeah. Right. And instead of, you know, a lot of times you just see the technique and you're like, well, I see that he's grabbing him in a certain way. Yeah. And then I see that he's trying to get him and then he's on the ground, you know. And there's this, like, very gray area where you don't really know what's happening maybe. So what's a good way... What's a good way of starting that or starting to move toward, you know, a becoming a good Because everyone wants to know, like, how do I be a good uke? So how do you how do you be a good uke? So a lot of times um, the teacher will call up people to demonstrate with the rest of the class, people who he thinks is a good uke, he or she thinks is a good uke. Um, and so I would say the first step is watch the person who the teacher is demonstrating with. Don't just watch the teacher and go like, oh, that's what's happening, right? Because what's happening is actually what's happening to the uke. So watch the uke and see how they're receiving the form. I think as you start to want to become a better uke, that's a good practice. You, and as a fundamental skill, even before that, you, you have to be able to fall correctly so you're no longer worried about falling, right? If you're worried about falling, then you can do all kinds of weird shit just because you're scared to fall down. But get that and then next uh, start looking at good ukes. And then begin to probe why the technique works the way it does. Like, why does that technique work the way it does? And when I started to make big progress on my ukemi, what I did was I stopped trying to do anything besides relieve, receive the technique, right? So, and I would call it like neutral ukemi, like real neutral. If someone pushed me somewhere, I would go there, you know? Like, I never went for them. Like, if someone pushed me, I wouldn't then walk four steps because that's what I thought should happen. I would just allow people to push me where, pull me or whatever, wherever they wanted to go. And then as I started to take that kind of ukemi with, good nages, I started seeing like, oh, here's where they take me and here's why that's good. And I would learn what would stop that and what would facilitate that, right? What would make it easier for them to do their technique and what would make it harder for them to do the technique. Um, and so that's what started teaching me to be a good uke. And then after that, I would take those skills and with junior students, I would see how to help guide them through doing that right. technique to completion, you know. I also think that uh, on both sides, so this is something for Nage and Uke, but it'll help Uke immensely. Be slow, slower than you think, you know, slower than slower than you think. Um, you know, a lot of times I feel like the a lot of the problems with techniques come with wanting to uh, speed through it, you know, get it done. Right. And you have a good sense of where the technique starts and you have a good sense of where it ends. And so you're just going to kind of speed through that middle part and keep yourself yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that taking it uber slow 
is is a really good um, thing and it'll help you kind of understand your body even so the other day in kids class we were doing slow running which is essentially you know <laughs> that sounds fun if you were running how you know and it is extremely difficult to do properly like it is hard to do the motions of running um, in a slow pace because you know your your body is not really made for that. You maybe don't have strength in certain places that, and when you're going fast, it's, it's sort of momentum that the keeps momentum you going. keeps yeah. you. So it's very difficult. Um, but you begin to learn things about how your body moves and how it should be moving when you're running, etc. Um, and that's a really silly thing we were doing for kids class, but it can be very helpful. And if you tra- if you do that in the, the the forms, I think it can be really helpful because you see if you're doing weird stuff like you know if the uke is no longer providing uh force into you uh are you trying to push them down still or if um you know the nage if you're the uke and the nage has stopped moving do you fly away from him are you are you throwing yourself you know are, are you doing and if you're going fast you may not see those things happening or feel them but if you take it slow you can really see like Oh, right here, if he stopped moving me, uh, I would stop. I could also come back to a nice, stable position from there. And I think doing that, you'll quickly feel the sort of yin and yang between each other um, a little more than if you just speed through, speed through, speed through. Yeah. And I think, too, like, um, and then when you're when you're Nage and you're working with a good Uke, you know, and you've paired up with someone of a higher rank, Um, when you're working with them feel do the technique real slow and feel where their body is where their balance starts to break or where they want to take a step or when you're pinning them um, how their whole arm maybe you feel it like tense up all the way through and like really really go slow because we have a tendency like Josh said to to want to speed through things that are maybe uncomfortable Um, but the more that you can really take your time doing each bit you'll feel their body react to what you're doing and so when you feel those things, you can then, um, on the on the flip side, facilitate that better, or relax in certain places, or um, you know, create the kinds of situations that you're training. Um, right, and I think that's a really good point. Is like the the two roles inform each other, right? Yeah. So, uh, being a good nage and really paying attention to your partner will inform how you take ukimi and vice versa as you take ukimi if you really pay attention to how your body is being manipulated that will inform the way you then manipulate someone else so you got to have you know both i i think that you cannot become a a really good nage without being a really good uh uke yeah and kind of vice versa although you know if you just take ukimi all the time you might not necessarily be really great on on the other side but you should have all of the skill set necessary to do that if you're paying attention so yeah uh i think being okay is confusing because the the whole practice of of learning aikido is confusing and it it has to be (laughs) that way for a reason um so like Ukenage roles are inherently asymmetrical, meaning there's one person who inherently is always taking and one person who's always giving. And we have the idea that we're trying to make a symmetrical engagement out of this, right? Like, which is a problem because it's like, like, look, you're trying to stop me, but I'm so good at doing technique that I stop you. Like, that's what the thought process is. But that's not what's happening in Aikido as we're trying to develop it as a self-defense system is the same thing that happens as uke nage it's just it's it's a little like it's it's kind of reversed actually which is the uke is always pressing the attack and the nage is always trying to stay away from being attacked and then there's a moment of unbalance where the uke can be thrown and the nage takes advantage of that um but it's like people i think tend to think they're sparring Right, so when, right, right. when they're being uke for someone, right. they're like, "Oh, I'm sparring you, and, and I'm making you better, bro." Because if I resist you as hard as possible, then that'll make your technique better. But that's not the way it works. Like a lock and a key, it's like you're trying to be a lock that has no key to open it, and that will make someone better. Will only make someone better at forcing or breaking the lock. Right, right. right? That's like trying to like um, like your friend says, "Take me weightlifting. Teach me how to weightlift." 
and you go, okay, friend, I'm going to try and make you as strong as possible. And you give them a freaking 200 pound bar to deadlift, you know, and, and they, they've never deadlifted before right. or they've never, you know, done any bicep curls or whatever it is. Right. Of course, or, you know, here's an empty bar, do some pull-ups now. It's like, they're, they're not there yet. They're, right. So you're, you're setting the bar so high that pe- people can't reach that. So essentially when you're giving super difficult, like, uh, you know, ukemi that, that someone can't do their nikyo or whatever, it's like, you're not meeting them where their level is. And so right. even if you are challenging them in the correct way, you right. know, so even if you are um, being difficult in a nikyo in a way that you could, they could still nikyo you, if they're not at the level to do that, then nothing is being learned. It's, it's just difficult. It's, right. there's nothing, there's no progress to be made there. And so you have to be right at that level with them. So like if you're teaching your friend how to weightlift, you have to give them something maybe just a little harder than they can handle. You know, once you see that they can just squat a, a plain bar, you know, by itself. Okay. Let's add a little five pound weights on the ends, you know? Right. Right. You just increase the resistance. Yeah. And I think people have a hard time with that. Surprisingly, yeah. it's, they want to over challenge. Right, right. I think it's 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 funny. So like something like lifting weights is it's a good analogy to start to look at that. But lifting weights is like um, kind of two dimensional or something, right? right. Yeah. There's only the amount of force you can make, and can that force overcome or not overcome the resistance? Right. And that's not what we're trying to do in martial arts. If that was, then we'd all just get as big and strong as possible, totally. and then we right. either can overcome the resistance or not. And that's why I was talking about like forcing a lock right so like something's a lock and there are brute force methods yeah. of getting through it i like get a hacksaw right. i can or, shove a screwdriver exactly in there right and twist but, it really yeah, hard yeah, yeah. but what we want to do is find the right way to do it and so like i think part of this is understanding what i call completory opposites which is two things opposite in nature which help us achieve the same goal and in the self-defense class a lot of times i'll say like so imagine you're in a room and you want to leave the room and there's someone stronger than you holding the door closed so you, you can't open it up, right? So you're pulling at the right. doorknob and they've the door got and their hand they, on the yeah. door. And you can't open that sucker up, right? Now, what a completory opposite is, is it's another door that's in the room that you're going to run to and try and get out. Now, if you could run to that door and they are not fast enough to go to that door to stop you, then you just simply run out the door, right? So meaning... I try one thing and you stop it. I try another thing and if I move there efficiently in the right timing, you can't stop me from getting out because it's easy. You're not there, right? You're not there resisting. So you just easily go out the door. Now, if they are also able to move back and forth between the door, it becomes a who can get to the door more efficiently game. Okay, and that's what skill building in martial arts is about. How much more efficiently can you go to the other opening in the room, right? The other opening in the system that we're, it is, right? So however we're grappling or boxing or whatever it is we're doing, there's there's multiple doors. How much more efficiently can you get to the doors? And how much quicker can they shut those doors off to you? And that's the skill that's game. The game, yeah. Right. Right, that's and, the game you're playing when you're sparring or something. Right. And so force is simply, does the person, so if it's just one door in a room, does the person have enough force to keep you from opening the door? And this is just like weightlifting. If they do, then you can't open the door. If they don't, then you can pull the door open no matter how hard they push on it, right? Because you're stronger than them. And that's just two-dimensional force building. But when you play a game with it, when you're learning martial skill, you're learning what are the other doors in the room? And really good people know doors that you maybe don't even know exist. Right. And so it's right. real easy for them to go to that door and you didn't even know that door was there to close, right? And this is what you see when you roll with people in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You roll with someone who's a lot better than you. You're like, shit, I didn't even know that was an option that they could do that, you know? And now <laughs> yeah. I'm all twisted up. It's so interesting because so many times you'll get uh, someone who's doing ukemi and... Um, they you're doing ikkyo let's say and they're just keeping you from doing an an, an ikkyo and it's totally cool and you know the answer sometimes is to go to that other technique and go look this is what i would do to you if you if i couldn't get this ikkyo and i can't get it because you know that it's coming and so you could shut it down and like you know whatever because we're setting this up i need to be able to get the ikkyo it's a cooperative practice you know and what we should be working toward is a a uh, moment where it feels effortless right. on both sides so you know the nut for the nage it just feels like i'm just moving and uh for the uke it feels like he just disappeared or you know i just sort of was guided to the ground by some energy that i can't and that's like the magic thing that people kind of 
talk about or experience because if you're doing it correctly, it should feel like magic. Right. It should feel like right. I just moved. I just took a step to the left, and because of the timing and you know whatever, you fell over my body. Right. For me, it felt effortless. I just moved. For you, it felt like I don't know. Suddenly, there was something blocking my feet, and I was on the right. ground. Right. And I think what happens is so many people in the technique they 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 only see the force as the the thing. They can only see like overcoming force is proof that it works, right? right. Um, and so that's what they want to see. They're just like, can you overcome this? Well, no, but I can do something else. Right. Um, and that might just be breaking my, my hamstring and hitting you in the face or whatever. Right. And so in, in the analogy of opening the door, when you're training a specific technique, you're just focusing on the one door. That's right. So of course, if you're the guy leaning on the door to keep it closed, if you're leaning so hard and holding it you're so closed, if you're yeah. stronger than them, then they're just not going to be able to open the right. door. Right. And that's just, it, that's how it's going to be. Um, but when you're training a technique, that's it's not helpful no, in any not way. Helpful. And so it what? just it, at the best it teaches them to be stronger, yeah. which is again yeah. just two dimensional. But that's man. not what you're in martial arts right. training to do. Especially you'd be in the well, gym for that. this one, right? Right. Especially Aikido. There right. Are right. Exactly. That, uh, yeah. Especially Aikido. So what's the? I mean, what's the answer to it? You know, like what? What's the one thing that we can do as a uh, community or in our own school or in our own practice to sort of begin to change that dynamic? So I, I think it's a it's a multi step process one is let's work really hard to understand what the techniques are actually doing and i'm going to go outside of so normally i would bitch for a long time about understanding uh, the, the situation right the context of it but let's not even look at context for a while because that's big and convoluted let's just simply look at how the techniques work in natural opposition to each other so for example if an elbow is up ikkyo is available to you okay if the elbow is going down, Nikyo becomes available to you. So understand that Ikkyo and Nikyo work as complementary opposites to each other. If they're pushing their elbow up, you Ikkyo them. If they're pushing their elbow down, you Nikyo them. If they're pushing their elbow up, if their elbow's up, but they still are too strong for you to move, then Sankyo becomes available, right? So understand that the techniques are built in a really, really clever way. Um, and if you don't get that these techniques all facilitate each other, like in insane ways, you know? So I think I think some people say like, oh, I see how this one technique does this with this other one technique. But if you understand Aikido, they all do that. For They're each like other. a never ending loop. It's a loop, loop. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's that dynamic sphere, you yeah. know? Everything's yeah. on that's it. That's exactly right. That's very right? true, yeah. yeah. Everything's on it. Um, and yeah, I think that's a really good... So I think understanding that, like once you really understand that, you understand that the uke can't do anything to totally shut you down. There's always a new opening. Whether you can take advantage of the opening or not, I don't know. But, but it's like being in a in a in a in a room and you only think there's one door, right? And that door's Ikkyo. Right. And so if my is not working, then clearly what I have to do is get stronger to open that door. But if you stop and look around, you'll there's, go, Oh, there's like forty right. doors. You know? There's a million other doors here. <laughs> and all I gotta right. do is go through one. And so I think that's the first process is understand how the techniques facilitate each other. They do it for each other all the time. Yeah, and I think the difficult thing, you know, when you're training and you're training a specific one technique, like um, depending on what the pairing is, so who you're working with and what your level is in relation to their level, it it can either be easier or harder to to work with that person and and talk about ukemi and figure out how to facilitate it better for the other person or for them explaining it to them to be able to do it and if it, that's why like if you have two white belts trying to work together that's why it's generally a clusterfuck right is because <laughs> neither of them understand yet. right and so like if you have one person that's of a higher level than the other there can be some explanation some helping um you know like josh said if you turn your back like that i would just do this technique yeah. instead so pro tip uh bow to the highest ranking person that's right. that's in amazing. the class don't be stuck with the another thing you can do. Um, yeah. Low level so, person. Pro tip. And I think another pro tip is uh, you got to check, just check the ego, man. Just let it go. Get it out of there. Understand what you're doing. And, you know, as the UK, you're not there to win. You're not there to do anything other than um, provide the proper force that will put you generally on the ground or in some kind of pin. And you may not like that. And if you don't like it, uh, maybe you need to look at something else because you have to be able to do get rid of that in order for you to do this thing properly, I think. 
And if you're on the, you know, if you're working with a, a maybe a lower student and you're having trouble with your technique with that student because their ukemi is, you know, they're figuring it out. It's kind of, they're not doing great with it. Like be patient and don't like, like whip them around or, or like be unnecessarily harsh with them. Right. Use your force where you might not before because your technique's not working. You know what I mean? No, that's like, a good, I mean, that is a good point. Like, like don't take it personal that your technique's not working and maybe you need to work on it right. and that's, that's a thing. But like with the person you really, you're in a relationship in that moment with a person and the other, you got to realize where, meet the person where they're at. And I think you know? that, that does sometimes happen where, you know, you get someone you're a higher ranking student. You get someone that's just not giving the ukemi. You're just not understanding the ukemi. Um, and it can be frustrating. Just to make it work, you do something that's not necessarily what should be done. Yeah. But you're doing it because that's the most expedient <clears throat> thing to do at this moment, you know, in order to make it work. Um, and I've caught myself doing that many times where it's just like, I'll make the adjustment on this so that we can get through this. Yep. And then. And that's fine to do if you understand that's what right. you're doing. It's a, a judgment right? call. Um, B, once you've been, once that thing is done, take some time to go back and, and kind of explain, like, look, I did a different thing here and here's why, and try to work that out rather than just kind of, um, you know, put, throwing it under the rug or kind of just not talking about it and moving on, right? So that um, the next time that happens, they're not confused, um, right? And you're not confused either, so just right. be ready to make... If you're making that judgment call, be aware that you're making that judgment call, and then maybe how how can we fix it for the next time around? So. And if you don't know how best to explain to your, your uke that, like, if you're aware something's going wrong, but you're just like, I don't know how to tell you to be a better right. uke right now because you're doing something weird, but I, 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 can't, I can't put it into words. Like, I don't think it's, like you know that's another put your ego away thing yeah, yeah. like even though you're a higher student and you may feel like you have a good understanding of the technique maybe you just don't have the words for describe to describe how to ha- be a better okay right. in that situation and so it's okay to call your teacher over and be like you should yeah yeah and and, and there's a lot of times where right. i've called kid over and been like all right this thing's not working out and right. I, I can't figure it you know like i can't understand and that honestly it, it kind of uh, maybe also is easier if you're worried about the awkwardness of saying hey you're doing something totally weird here you know it, it can allow the teacher to come over and and take a look at what's happening and the teacher can say okay well you know just so you know and then let the okay know you try doing this instead you know and so it can i think uh, alleviate some of that weirdness that often happens between like uh, two students that are trying to do something and it's not happening right and what uh, are there some building like building blocks things that like you can kind of level up with like you know um, here are some just simple things to keep in mind and then yeah I mean you know I think uh, fundamentally uh, if you want to be better okay you have to be able to fall without thinking about it right so you gotta be able to fall and not be scared at all that you're gonna get hurt because that will always throw in a natural resistance to it and so you can't be a good okay with that um, once you can do that then uh, be as neutral as humanly possible right so meaning you know like and we do drills where you just practice this uh, we call it shizentai uh, which is like um, you just relax, you just stand normally, and people push you from different positions, and you allow your body to move wherever it is they push you, and and not move in a dead way, but like if someone's pushing your shoulder, you move your shoulder, and then when they relieve the pressure, your body snaps back to where it was, and so it's like that's just the natural way you'd move. Um, you have lots of inherent resistance in your body that you don't realize things that you don't want to do and so uh, sometimes we'll do stuff like where we have a partner lift your arm up and drop it and you'll be amazed at how many times you lift someone's arm up and you let go and their arm just stays there and it's like well that's not natural you're naturally resisting the ground falling down or like it reminds me of when I would go to the dentist you know and the dentist would look at my mouth and I'm always trying to like help the dentist somehow like and and smile the dentist dentist gets pissed off you know like like, just just be normal dude I'm gonna clean your teeth everything's cool right I'm like trying to move my tongue or something Trying to open it wider than it right. Um, So so develop that ability to just chill out and just like just allow your body to do what's happening. And then in that state, pay a lot of attention every time you work with someone good because that good person will show you how your body should be being moved. Um, And then ask yourself about that 
why is this effective how is this taking my balance how is this moving my body um, what could i do that would make it easier for him to do this what could i do that would make it harder for him to do this and you don't even have to do any of those things just understand how it yeah. would work you know um and then uh and then start to apply that with junior students so as you work with junior students notice why is it working or not working and how is it like or not like the senior students i was training with you know and, and i think that's the full cycle process that you work with it and then the only next step is as you become teacher now you have to be able to explain someone else how to be uke and how to be nage and that's just that all one level up you know maybe we can talk for a second too about um because i think about this a lot like how to be a good uke for your teacher when your teacher is teaching and calls you up and says hey because because now clearly you're at a level where they feel like you know, you're able to handle that. But I think there is a whole, and I'm speaking from personal experience here, a whole nother level of being an uke in front of the class. What, what is he looking at? What, right. Where is he going? You <laughs> got to kind of be like a mind reader and be like, uh. I mean, and that's actually probably not the proper way to go about it. But a lot of times that's, you know, what you're trying to do is like, okay, I sort of see where this progression is going. Here's what I should be doing. You're facilitating mm. in like a like an even more of a way because yeah. you have to be ready for whatever. Show, yeah. <laughs> so uh, when working with a teacher, your default is always totally neutral. Um, and that's not good enough a lot of times because your teacher is going to ask you <laughs> for a specific resistance to a technique so they can show. So you've got to be totally open to being cued into those on the spot. And that's hard. I mean, that's totally its own freaking skill because... Um, you want to be neutral and then listen to what the teacher's saying. But when you're listening to what the teacher's saying, you're not listening as a student who's learning. You're listening as a facilitator. Like, you have to set aside your own right, right. wanting to learn right now. Right, right. You're not getting to learn in that way right now, like not, not in that intellectual yeah. way right now. Um, only like because of the experience you'll learn, you know. Um, and so when you're listening, you're going, what do they want facilitated and how do I facilitate that right now? And there can be breakdowns of communication for sure, you know. But like that's what you're trying to do. And so it's hard to put all of your own shit aside. Like the teacher's not going to call you up if he thinks you can't even fall, you right, know. So right, like. Right, right. He knows you can already handle that totally. And he knows that basically you know the technique and so we can show the technique. And then after that, it's just like how subtly can we show the technique and, and show the students what's going on, right? And, and you guys are a team. You're working to show them how it works. Like you're no longer two individuals. You're oh, yeah. you're a team. You're like the, dance partners. That's right, exactly you know? right. And so like one one can make the other one look shitty at any time they want, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so like when I'm teacher and, and I do this better and worse at different times, but I'm trying to always cue Uke in as to what I'm doing. And like I'm talking in a way that's like, pay attention because this is what we're showing. <laughs> pay attention because this is what we're showing, you know. Um, and but, speaking from personal experience, sometimes you don't pick up. No, it's really hard. And, and you're talking about like the learning thing, you know. So, uh, for instance, with a lot of the Joe uh, forms that we've been doing recently, um, some of the things are slightly different, slightly different than the forms as I learn them, right? And so a lot of times as we're doing it, I am in, even as I'm doing the kidney part of it, I'm like trying to pay attention because it's like, all right, I need to understand why this thing is, you know, and, and I do think that messes me up sometimes because it's like, uh, I, I need to be more, boom, here in the moment. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then yeah. like... Unfortunately, you have to set aside right, your own and want to learn. I can do that later, but, you know, yeah, but it's very, it's very difficult. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You have to be super, super present. And I think, like, Dance Partners is a good way to think about it because your feet have to be, you know, if you're waltzing or something, your feet have to be spaced evenly, their foot and your foot, and so you have to be right with them as you do your little steps you know and, and I feel like you, you have to be right with the teacher otherwise if you get ahead you might do something that you thought they were gonna do and they don't right or yeah. vice versa oh, yeah. if you're too slow for them and like come on yeah. why are you not speeding it's up funny, with me it's with, with both of you one thing I notice a lot is when I start explaining you immediately begin thinking of what are the possibilities <laughs> and the, the negatives of what I'm talking about. And so a lot of times what happens is one, I go to do it, you're then thinking about the negative. And so it's like you, you do exactly the thing that will make the technique fail, you know? And then as teacher, a lot of times this is what I'll do is I'll just trick you guys because I'll just do it first without letting you know anything. And then it comes off perfect. And it's like, okay, that's what we're aiming for. Hope everybody now saw that. Now let's see if we can talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the um, rolling, falling kind of thing. Uh, I think this is really important. And I think it's important to, so there's forward rolls and backward rolls. 
and then there's all of this gray, <laughs> weird area all in between. There's a million, billion different ways that you can meet the ground in a way to keep yourself safe. Totally. And I think it's really important to practice that. And one of my favorite things to do, like just as a practice, is just you know put someone in the center of the mat and everyone just kind of comes around and pushes them at all weird, odd angles, pulls them, whatever. And they just have to get to the ground roll, break fall, whatever it is, and get back up in a normal way. And I think that's a really great way to kind of begin to teach a person how to take take force and, and get themselves safely to the ground, you know? Yeah. And you'll see quickly, you know, you push someone really hard uh, in, you know, the chest, um, they maybe aren't expecting that back roll to happen right. or to need to happen. So they're trying to do like a normal back roll like we set up and it just doesn't work because they don't have time to, to do it. Um, and that was something that it took a long time for me to get out of, which is like I could do a back roll all day long. The minute someone shoved me in the chest, my back roll went to crap, right? Because I was trying to do a whole yeah. kind of thing. So I think the more you can get used to just like feeling the force as it's coming in, how that turns your body, how you can use that to get yourself to the ground safely, and then back up is a really um, useful thing that will then translate once you start getting it, you know, with your partners. And I think it's like um, that kind of ability um, to just handle whatever comes at you. I think that like that's important that you learn it right at the beginning, really getting comfortable in your own body. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, but then I think that also comes in later when you are becoming a good uke, like you're climbing the ranks, and and that comes back in as a really important factor because um, I think in that middle space, you know, where you maybe have taken a couple tests or you you know some about aikido, like so. So Ted was asking me the other day. We were doing Sumio Toge. One of our students. Um, we talk about him all the I time. Don't. I guess that's people uh, probably know who Ted is. Shout out. Um, <coughs> he asked me the other day. Uh, we were doing just a Sumio Toge to warm up, and as the taking the, as the one taking the ukemi, he was asking, "Which foot are you dropping for a backwards roll?" Because we were doing a forward roll and then a backward roll, same thing. Um, and and he was kind of like unsure about which which one which side to take the roll mm-hmm. off of from that Sumio Toge, and. Um, so for me, like, it was a weird question because I was like, I just do what's comfortable, yeah, right. you know? And that's what you should be able to do as you as you get higher and higher is just, I just do what what's comfortable and so what comes to me in the moment. He asked me about that same thing, <laughs> and that was literally my answer. Was right. Like, uh, just let the force take you to the ground. Once you're there, right. once you will see, you will feel what comes, so just do but, that, you know, do that one. But and, I, I think it And was, I hope that didn't sound like I didn't know what I was talking about, but it's like that, that's the answer, right? It's like, yeah. the, the thing that you're looking for is not how to do the role, it's just like, force is coming in, how do I let that force take me to the ground? Once I'm on the ground, if that force is not dissipated, how do I continue to let that force dissipate? But I think like at like a middle level, or like a, like a, you know, you're still learning a lot about Aikido, like, um, maybe you have a hard time with letting that force come right, in, so right, nothing right, feels natural right. to you, you know? That's, and so that's where that question comes from, is it's just not feeling natural no matter what, so what do you do, you know? That's kind of what I was saying with, like, uh, you have to be able to fall without thinking about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, in, in what you guys are both saying, like, you're trying to tell him is that, like, well, I just fall without thinking about it, and I fall right. <laughs> um, but that's not a good answer for him because he's not yet 100% comfortable right. with the fall. And so it's like he's still thinking a lot about how you take that fall. And and so there are many things that like we take for granted that's just in our unconscious minds we don't have to think about. But he does have to think about that, and we did at some point because it wasn't comfortable at that right, point. Right, and so right. like it's fun. it was a funny thing for me because I was like I had to sit and think about it. Well, I guess I do this side because – that's what feels comfortable to me. So try doing it on that side and see how you feel. I think a good practice for that, and you can do it by yourself or you can do it with a partner, but um, by yourself what you would do is just stand there and go, can I fall like a clock, right? Could I fall at 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, all the way. Could I fall like a clock around me by choice comfortably, right? And so if you can fall at all 12 of those positions, then that's pretty good. And then get someone to push you 
at all 12 of those positions and see if you can fall. Because what it is is it's like, like Josh said, like two-dimensionally, forward and back, you can roll comfortably and you can do that, no problem. But as it starts to be mm, 230-ish, right. no, it's a weird roll. I don't right, take a 230 right. roll very often. So you've got to be able to do all those. And then like when you can mechanically do them, then you can uh, begin to just do them on the fly. And, and one thing I've had to learn for myself is, you know, like, so when I very first started teaching, I basically taught the same way I learned because I don't know any other way to teach, right? And then I started realizing there were formalities I could drop. I was like, oh, this isn't efficient, you know? And so you've been working with it. And then you start to realize there are things you drop that you were wrong about and you've got to react, you know? So, so this process kind of goes on. And, and so for rolling, um, for the longest time, I used to teach this roll that I thought was a really good formal way to roll. We call it a snake roll. Um, but like you start in CESA, you slide one hand out along the mat. I did a video years ago. It's on YouTube. You can see it. Slide it out along the mat and then you roll. And what it does is it does a really nice job of teaching you the angle at which you're going to roll, like right over your shoulder, right to your hip. And it's really hard to miss if you do a snake roll. It's really, really good. And I recently had reintroduced it to the kids' class and all the kids that were having a hard time rolling suddenly were good again. Suddenly could roll yeah, real yeah, nice, yeah. right? But the problem is that teaches you that you should roll like that form which is really not how you roll 90% of the time. Right. So that form does a fantastic job of teaching you what a roll should feel like, but not how to get into the right. roll. I and remember so, there was a, a kid who uh, he would take, we would do sort of longer jumping rolls and things, and he would always want to do that. So when he was jumping out, that the arm would always go down yeah, and he would down. land right Ooh, on that shoulder. That sounds rough. Um, <laughs> and every time it was like, oh my God, what? No, oh, no, he's fine. Okay, very good. I mean, it was, <laughs> and it was, that was that was the reason why. That's how he had learned to. In a way, that's kind of a testament to how good that taught him to oh, roll. For sure. Because yeah, yeah, he could yeah. roll like that, which isn't the best way, and, and he would still, still be, be safe. Okay, yeah. However, the problem is there's a better way to learn to roll yeah. still. And so understand as the student learning to roll, you're going to go to a long process of learning yeah. to roll, refining, right? Refining, yeah. refining, refining. And it really will take a few years. You'll have to take thousands of rolls and before still, you... And still, you know, there are days where it's just like, oh, what am I doing? It's funny to me anytime that people, because I've been doing IQ for a long time, like anytime that like a new person or someone uh, that I haven't done IQ with in a long time, oh, your rolls look really nice. Or, oh, you knee walk really smoothly. I'm like, yeah, because I've fucking done it for 12 years. 12 years. <laughs> like, yeah, it's been a long time. So, like, it really is just putting the time in and getting comfortable with those weird, weird things, you know? And I think also, too, like, doing like Ted did and asking, like, some, you know, maybe a higher student who's had more, is more comfortable with that, what do you do here? You know, and that is sometimes a quiz for the higher student, like, oh, shit, what do I do here? But it is good to ask, like, what are, what are you doing? Maybe I can think about it in a different way. I also think it's super important not to, not to judge people, um, uh, judge yourself by other people's standards yeah. because some people are going to come in and they're already coordinated as hell. Yeah. And so like some people come into the dojo and they do a beautiful forward roll day one, right. first roll. And it's like, well, you're coordinated the end. That's cool. Right. You know? Um, and some people it takes a long time and like Ted's a good example. He's having a hard time with back rolls apparently, but Ted learned to take a high fall in like right. three weeks right. or something. You know what I mean? Like, and now he takes really nice Uki Kai Ten, very, very nice roll um, without a second thought about it. And so for him, that was kind of natural, you know, with the background in wrestling, it's natural to be able to take a big fall like that. Um, but he's having problems with some other kinds of roles and everyone's going to have things they're good at and things they're bad at. And that's just the way it is. So don't look at someone else and go like, oh my God, one weekend that guy already takes pretty right. Man, like, look at uh, yeah. I did other stuff. Everybody has about, their own you know? starting point, yeah. you know, and they may have worked on stuff in another way yeah. that you haven't. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely know, I know some people who were getting ready for their showdown and they still kind of rolled like crap, you know, like, and I remember like working with them for hours on it, you know, them coming in and be like, we got to work on rolls because your roll needs to be smoother than it is, you know? So it's just, it depends on, you know, but other things they can do beautifully, you know, sure, like, yeah, yeah. like, cause you could make the judgments like, well, that person shouldn't be showed on at that point. It's like, yeah, but everything else they do, 99% right. of everything else they do is good. Really it's just good. rolling's not this person's thing, you know? I think that's a good point. This is totally off topic, but like now that I'm kind of heading in that direction, like understanding that like a black belt isn't perfect at everything. Oh no, absolutely, uh, not. absolutely, absolutely not. not. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but more just like they know where they need to work. They're very clear about what they need to work on. They can identify when they fuck something up and, and they know, okay, I know I need to fix this thing. And it may still be real hard. Sure, of course it will But they, they know what areas they're working in and how to work on them. A black belt is a perfect beginner. That's all a black belt is, you know, and that's like a cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. They're the perfect beginner. Like they have all the tools to get good at Aikido now. Right. Um, before that, you don't even have all the tools to get good at Aikido yet, you know? But people, like, if you're not a black belt, you tend to go, like, black belts are awesome. Right. You know? It's like when you're, like, a third grader mm. and you see high school kids. And you're yeah. like, oh, high so school so kids. School. Wow. Yeah. They're so old. And then you go to college and you're like, they're such dipshits. And then you go to college and you're like, all those guys are dipshits. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> There's always room for improvement. That's right. the podcast. That's Thank right. you very much. <laughs> All right, gents, we're at 49 minutes here. Oh, man. Whoa, so, okay. Yeah. A lot to we say did about it. Hopefully that was uh, informative for people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if there are questions that you have, feel free to shoot us a line and ask specific questions. I am having trouble with blank, and I think it's a problem with Ukemi or whatever, and, you know, we might be able to... To help you out. Sorry if the sound quality was a little bad. We're not shooting in Studio M today. Uh, and I'm realizing yeah. this table that we're on has this. Oh, yeah. Oh, There's no. all sorts of weird uh, I've been little... hearing it. It's been driving me nuts. But uh, I didn't realize until right now what was making it happen. So, and but... the dog was chewing the bone. Yeah, all and sorts took it of away stuff. and yeah, then it was so. eating his food. I think it'll be fine. But yeah. If you did hear some stuff, sorry. sorry. Make up a story about it. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> you, Ambiance. Whatever you they thought. They were throwing each other yeah, while yeah. they yeah. were... It's like you're in the studio with us. We also don't have the tablet, so that means we don't know our patrons. Oh, shit. Yeah, well, we got a new patron this oh, week also, good, so good. that means I'll have to go in and add one later. Yeah, can you do that? Because oh, yeah. that'd be yeah. real nice. As long as I remember. So I'll, I'll um, shoot you a text. <laughs> yeah, I would say, you know, if if you have something, questions you want, I think that's uh, a great uh, thing to feel free to ask. Uh, also, if you're going to be in the Fresno area, anywhere close, and you you know want to stop by and train with us uh we have classes uh, running all the time so you can do that as well we will also be at combat con on april 1st through the 4th that august. is in august wow april it was a it was the first thing on my mind <laughs> august august yeah august 1st through the 4th and combatcon.com you can go there and see the classes that we're teaching including an aikido class yeah mm-hmm. is there an aikido yeah so, um, and that'll be a lot of fun. I think that's probably it. Let's go with our tip of the week. Tip of the week is, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. <laughs> My brain's like. Tip of the week, there. be a good uke, the end. Well, I No, mean... I think, okay, so here's the tip of the week. We'll uh, and and I think it's right. exactly the thing that, that Chris said. So. Uh, take some time and really go through your rolls and see how good you are at doing not only your forward roll, your backward roll, but everything else. Can you do a roll to one side or the other? Um, can you do a back roll one way or the other? Or just pay attention to your forward and your back roll. Can you roll in a straight line? Like, are you rolling? Can you, you know, put your feet uh, right back where they started on, on a line, both yeah. forwards and backwards? A lot of people maybe can't, and a lot of people maybe don't know that they can't. Can you take um, little rolls? Can you take big rolls? Right, Can you exactly. take cross rolls? So see, uh, pay, just try some things out and and see. And do it both, you know, on your own and have someone come in and push you and see if you can take that force. See if when someone comes to push you, your first uh, instinct is to push back before you roll, go into your roll. Because mm-hmm. that's maybe something that, that you can work on. So there it is. Yeah. And then also, I feel like it's never it never hurts to ask, you know, if you're working with a higher student, um, you know, and they're and you're taking ukemi for them, you can ask them, um, you know, how does that feel? Is there anything that I can change or 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 uh, you know do a little better yeah. in terms of my ukemi, and you know, or even ask your sensei afterwards, you know, how is my ukemi looking? Is there something that I can can fix well, or I need to work on? Yeah, yeah. All right, all right, guys. We will talk to you next. Talk to you week. next week. Thank all right. you. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much to our patrons. They are John Smith, Rob Kitson, Lenny Acuna, Matt Mumford, Urbano, Brian Crowley, Jim Sullivan, Matt Riley, Warwick Dean, Lise Klein, Sharon Okada, Jim Gallant, Christopher Aceto, Grant Templin, and we have a new patron. Her name is, if it'll load, Yuli Simgu. 
Thanks, guys.